Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Siobhan Milner. So Siobhan is a strength and conditioning coach originally from New Zealand with a background in exercise and rehabilitation science. She's worked as a clinical exercise physiologist and exercise scientist and is currently working as a strength and conditioning coach with the Dutch Olympic team, specifically with short track speed skaters and the national curling team. Siobhan also works with several independent athletes, primarily in ultra-endurance sports and performing arts, with clients seeking her knowledge in injury rehabilitation. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Siobhan onto the show. Siobhan, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, So could you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm Siobhan Milner. I'm a strength and conditioning coach currently based in the Netherlands, originally from New Zealand, hence my accent, and I'm contracted with Team Dutch Olympic team, training short track speed skaters and the national curling team. Excellent. So uh, this is this has kind of been inspired by a lecture that you gave for our S&C team over the summer, which uh, I thought was excellent and really enjoyable. So um, it's something we haven't covered as well, and pain science is kind of a, a really difficult weird concept to, to get your head around so before we get into the depths of what's going on there and and yeah how to deal with it like firstly what do we mean by the word pain and what's the role of that in the body yeah sure so um there's an updated definition from the international association for the study of pain this came out a couple of years ago and they define it as an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. So I think the first thing, especially for us um, working in sport, we're always thinking very much about the body. We assume that when there's pain, there is tissue damage, but this definition is already alluding to the fact that that is not always the case or the fact that the amount of pain doesn't correlate exactly with the amount of tissue damage. So pain's really personal. Um, It's influenced to varying degrees by a lot of different aspects, biological, psychological, social factors. Um, And I think a really important thing to know is that we learn the concept of pain as well. So sometimes you might have athletes who have family members with a history of pain, like things like fibromyalgia, arthritis, things like that. And you might notice that those athletes might experience more pain or um, react to pain differently than other athletes just because they've kind of uh, learned a different meaning about the significance of pain as well. And that's that's really interesting that there's obviously a huge psychological side of it. And I want to touch on that in just a minute, but physiologically then, what what does what happens when you experience pain? Like what, what goes on in the body when you go, oh, that hurts? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe one thing I should mention as well is, Pain science has kind of exploded in the last 10 to 15 years. And I think a lot of us who are interested in sport and exercise science know that sometimes the science can take a while to actually like get out to the clinicians and the the practitioners and things. But um, one of the things that maybe um, some of the listeners have heard in the past as well is about like pain receptors. So pain receptors don't actually exist. This is something... um, that it's, it was kind of a, a misnomer for nociceptors. So I'm sure a lot of people have heard the term nociception and a lot of people might have been taught that that was a pain receptor. But really what happens is we have nociceptors throughout the body and what they do is they sense changes to temperature, pressure, 
chemical and mechanical stimuli, and then they send a message to the spinal cord, which sends a message to the brain, the thalamus, and then from the thalamus it goes to other areas of the brain for processing, and then that uh, information is interpreted. So once that information is interpreted, it's then sent back to the spinal cord and nerves to upregulate or downregulate pain. So what happens is the brain is interpreting how much protection is needed, um, and that can be context-specific, but pain is always created in the brain rather than pain being sensed in the tissue. So something happens in the tissue, a message is sent back to the brain, and then the brain will send out pain signals. And in terms of the brain's influence on that, obviously you said it could be upregulated and downregulated. Like how, how much of an impact does the interpretation have on how much pain is going on? Is that always like relevant to the the signal which is given into the brain or is that sometimes exaggerated by the person who's experiencing it? I think um, one thing I just want to emphasize here is that maybe um, when we say brain, this doesn't always mean it's on a conscious level either. Like we've got to think of actual neural signals, but of course the psychological, like the mind aspect, because to me, I think of brain and mind as, as separately, actually the psychological aspect affects what happens in the brain as well. So there's a ton of studies that have shown, um, like there was one study, for example, where um, people had to put their hand in cold water and they saw either a red light or a blue light. And when they saw the red light, they experienced more pain than if they saw the blue light because they were suddenly plunged into the water and they thought it was hot because they saw a red light. So um, anything that makes you feel unsafe will potentially upregulate pain. And anything that makes you feel safer will potentially downregulate pain. Um, and again, like I say, it's very personal. So it's one of these things that there's not necessarily like black and white answers to. But this is why um, when an athlete's stressed or when there's something else going on in their life, you might also see things like old injuries seem to flare up, even though nothing's happening at a... Um, like a tissue level, it's 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 that brain kind of protecting. Like, oh, we we need to do something. There's there's something wrong. Let's send out a pain signal. So, in that sense, it's not just a, a one equals one. Like, like stimulus comes in and then like effect comes out, right? So, it's your brain yeah. interprets and then changes what happens in the in the output. And you you said that the difference between people like how much can that differ is that one person going oh it's fine my arm's falling off I'll, I'll be all right and another person is crying in pain because they they bumped into a wardrobe or whatever yeah yeah no <laughs> totally uh like one of the things that i sometimes think of as well uh is like i'm gonna try not to go on too far of a tangent but like <laughs> when i got <laughs> you can, my it's wisdom, fine, it's fine. sorry i'm gone uh when i got my wisdom teeth out like i remember they told me ah oh, yeah you know you've got to be careful sometimes um it doesn't heal properly and the nerves exposed. But don't worry, you'll know it'll be super painful. And then, like, <laughs> so. after two weeks, I was like, oh, this is still pretty uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if this is healed properly. And I went back and they were like, oh, the nerves are really obviously exposed. You should be in so much pain. But I think because I hadn't, I'd been told, like, oh, you'll know, you'll know. I kind of wasn't worried about it. And so there wasn't a huge amount of pain there. So there's stuff like that. But, um, yeah, between person to person, it depends on what they've experienced in the past as well. So. Um, from from an actual tissue healing perspective, we know that when um, a certain body part is injured, 
um, aside from bone pretty much, we know that there's an increased likelihood that that um, joint, for example, could be injured again. But as well, if an athlete has fallen and, say, broken an ankle or something and ended up in pain after that, it could be that now whenever they twist their ankle when they're running, you know, just like when you kind of step off the curb wrong or something, they get an increased pain signal to compared to what they used to get because the brain's like, this has happened before and I know that this was really stressful and I wasn't allowed to play and all of these things after. So it's like it becomes extra protective, kind of like a um, like your car's been broken into. So you install a more sensitive alarm system. So now it goes off when like a, you know, a dog runs into your car or something like that, you know? So pain systems can get more sensitive and become oversensitized. And so especially if you notice that an athlete has had, um, they've technically finished tissue healing, everything's coming up clear and they're allowed to go back to training, but the pain hasn't subsided, then that's where some desensitization and some retraining of the pain system needs to happen. And how would you go about doing that? Because that, that sounds really easy. Like, oh yeah, well, we're going to yeah. train, train in and around pain, but which is not as, not as simple as that. Like how, how can you go about, yeah, desensitizing yourself to pain? Yeah. And I think this is where as well, we have to, we have to have at least some understanding of modern pain science to be able to do this because I'm sometimes seeing clinicians say things like, oh, it's as long as you have less than a four out of 10 on a pain scale. But Again, that's super personal, and the amount of pain that someone can train with is is different from person to person. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to start with some basic pain science education for both yourself and your athletes. Um, I'd highly recommend, and I can send this link through painrevolution.org. They've got a ton of handouts. Um, but you want to teach athletes that pain is not a measure of the state of the tissues, and this is where it's really important for us to have a good rapport with physios so that we know that we're also not saying like, um, you know, everything's fine, but actually the physio is saying this isn't fully healed and that's why there's pain. Um, so that we've got to teach them pain doesn't necessarily equal tissue damage. Um, and that pain is protective. All information matters. So how do we speak to our athletes as well? Because if we're speaking to them in ways that makes them more scared, then that can upregulate their pain. And we've got to remember that it's, um, like I say, affected by biological, social, and psychological aspects. Number one is kind of rethinking pain and re-educating pain. And then what we want to do is we need to get on that process of desensitizing, retraining the pain system. So usually that involves finding the baseline for pain. Um, so if you're a strength coach, it might be something like, let's say you've got a back injury or a knee injury. And you know something like a back squat flares it up. So it's finding what is the what is the load or what are the sets and reps at what weight that would cause a flare up. So it would mean that the pain is worse perhaps the next day or prevents them from training. And you've got to take a little step back from there and start them at that baseline where what I like to do is it's they go away and the pain is either the same or better 24 hours later. Again, it's very personal, but that's usually what I'm working with not worse and if it's worse we know we've flared up a little bit and we've got to pull back and then we want to plan to to progress from that baseline so it's still progressive overload but I think the main thing is when we're progressing for pain tolerance we have to progress a lot slower um, 
and it might be even less linear than usual. So giving athletes the tools to to kind of self-manage there as well. So keeping track of like, has this made this better? Has it made it worse? Um, so that would be how I'd approach the training aspect. And then you also want to find um, triggers and helpers. So again, this is where I get athletes to really track things because they might notice like, oh, hey, um, if I have a beer after a game or something, the next day the pain's way worse. Whereas if I sleep before late hours, the pain's way better. So just there's got to be a lot of patience and persistence there because you've got to identify what is it for that person that's making things better or worse. I think it's a, a really interesting insight. And before we get kind of lost in the in the details yeah. of how we go about doing that, because we definitely can, um, I, I wanted to touch on pain without symptoms because it's something you mentioned just, just a second ago. But obviously, because that experience is very personal and uh, the brain has a huge impact in, in what happens, like pain could manifest without any symptoms. So how how can we go about managing that and how how does that even work from a, an injury standpoint so by symptoms do you mean actual tissue damage yeah yeah so if you yeah. uh, i i've got examples of athletes who um have a completely clean bill of health according to mm-hmm. all of the the scans that's possible and the, the doctor and the physio has just given big green ticks and they still got pain so yeah. dealing with that situation is also very difficult because we can't pinpoint a problem um and like how yeah how can we deal with that kind of situation and and how does that work yeah so i think um one of the things that we should also know is that pain is created the same way no matter what the tissue status is it's just that sometimes pain is persistent and sometimes pain is not no longer productive because in a way when we get pain after an injury it's it's productive because it is protecting us and making us stop activity that would further cause injury um, but when it persists and it's not productive so I think there's kind of two examples here there's um, there's the athlete who has an injury and the tissue heals and we see the pain persist but then there's also potentially like you say an, an athlete that has not even had an injury and pain appears and I mentioned fibromyalgia earlier. There are chronic pain conditions that exist. Um, low back pain is a big one of them. The majority of low back pain is classed as non-specific low back pain, which has no um, pathoanatomical cause. So I, I actually I used to work specifically as an exercise scientist for a big group making guidelines for the management of low back pain. And one of the big things we saw when we were working with clinicians who work with people with low back pain as well is like the really stressed executive who gets low back pain. So they they get a promotion and all of a sudden they've got all of this extra work and just out of nowhere there's low back pain, even though they've actually been sedentary most of their life, like nothing else has changed physically, but something else has changed um, from that psychological perspective as well. So, um, yeah, it, usually I think what we're – more often seeing with our athletes is pain persisting after tissue damage is complete and we still follow that same desensitization process um but if it's if it's someone who's never had an injury at all i think it is this process that we'd follow but it is it is a really good idea to find a physiotherapist or someone who's really um up to date on pain science to probably help you tackle that as well 
I think that's uh, an excellent answer. And when we look to bring all this together, could you give us a case study as to, as, like, as to how you've done this before? So think about, for example, uh, a return to play or an athlete managing pain in that, in that situation of coming back from an injury where there was pain, managing that into a, I'm ready to go and perform again. Have you come across situations like that? And if you have, can you take us through how you deal with it? Yeah, sure. So I had, um, I had one skater who had had a, a break that hadn't healed properly and ended up having to have um, surgery again because it had healed in a way that it had um, uh, constricted a nerve. And then what we had with this athlete when they came back was they were finding it really, really hard to lift weights that were pretty light and we were finding it really hard to get any progression happening. But from the neurologist perspective and the physiologist, uh, sorry, the physiotherapist perspective, they were fully healed. And thankfully, this physiotherapist that I work with is also really up with pain science. So we had a bit of a discussion about, you know, I think this has now become uh, persistent pain. This is now something that is more about the central nervous system rather than anything to do with the tissue health. So we started off by you can, like I say, this Pain Revolution website is great, but there's this great little short clip on YouTube called Tame the Beast, actually, from the same group, I think. And it's like a five-minute clip that explains pain, but especially chronic pain. And, and it touches on the fact that pain is not just tissue damage and it can be all of these things and you should ask people how to know if your pain system is overactive. So we started off by sending her that and then just kind of changing the language around things um, in the weight room. And the big thing was telling her, like, yes, you might feel some pain because your brain is trying to protect you. Um, and that's a great thing, usually. It's just being a bit overprotective. So it's normal if we get some discomfort, but it doesn't mean we're injured. So, again, that really big education component and really being pretty strict on how we progress. So telling her, look, I do want you to increase your weight. We can't keep staying at the same weight. But of course, if anything flares up, I'm, I'm here and we're going to scale things back. I'm never going to make you do anything. Um, but yeah, making sure that we kind of set an expectation that we want to progress because it's going to be one of the things that helped her. And some some athletes, like I'm shocked actually at how quickly they come back once you start explaining all of this to them. And I think some of that is just to do with whether or not your athletes trust their multidisciplinary team as well. If you've got a really great um, team that talks to each other and your athletes know that you talk to each other and they trust you, then often you can see that change really, really quickly. It can be harder sometimes if, um, like I say, maybe you've got other people in the team that aren't up on pain science, they have differing uh, ideas around it. But if you can get everyone to kind of have this unified approach, like we're going to encourage the athlete, we're going to try and make them feel safer um, that can help. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I think <laughs> okay, it's, a, it's a nice way of going through it to be like, okay, well, actually the re-education is really important and yeah, yeah the, the mix is in with the, the sets and reps, right? Like it's not just, yeah. not just, okay, we need to have a chat about this and when you understand this, it gets better. It's like, well, this yeah. is a process and actually being part of that process is increasing the weights within the boundaries which you, your body allows and your mind allows yeah. in this case. So I think that's a really excellent answer. Um, so in terms of uh, where people can find you and more about what you're doing, where, where's the best place to get some more information? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Siobhan.Milner. My name is really weird, so it's spelled S-I-O-B-H-A-N for Siobhan. And I'm also www.Siobhan-Milner.com. Perfect. Well, Siobhan, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will see you hopefully very soon. And uh, yeah, yeah, everyone else can check you out on, uh, on those places. So uh, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Siobhan for all of her hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy has a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more fantastic sports science information, all you have to do is hit the link in the show notes and you can get seven days completely for free into the Coach Academy. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.